Chapter Twenty Nine of the Life and Adventures of James P. Beckworth by Thomas D. Bonner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Oldman. Chapter Twenty Nine. Return to St. Louis. Interview with General Gaines. The Muleteers' Company. Departure for Florida. Wreck of the Maid of New York. Arrival at Fort Brooke, Tampa Bay, Barrier of Dispatches to General Jessup, Battle of Okeechobee, Anecdotes and Incidents. I had speedy passage to St. Louis and arrived there after an absence of five months. I mentioned that I had left some business unsettled at the time of my sudden leave. This was none other than an affair matrimonial. But on my return, I had some misunderstanding with my fair Dulcinea, and the courtship dropped through. At this time, the Florida War was unfinished. General Gaines was in St. Louis for the purpose of raising a company of men familiar with Indian habits. Mr. Sublet had spoken to him about me, and had recommended me as being particularly well acquainted with Indian life. The general sent a request that I would call upon him at his quarters. I went accordingly and was introduced by sublet. The general inquired of me how I would like to go to Florida to fight the Indians. I replied that I had seen so much of Indian warfare during the last sixteen years that I was about tired of it and did not want to engage in it again, at least for the present. He remarked there was a good opportunity there for renown. He wished, he said, to raise a company which would go down as muleteers, that their duties would be light, and so on through the stereotype benefits peculiar to a soldier's life. Sublet recommended me to engage. Florida, he said, was a delightful country, and I should find a wide difference between the cold regions of the Rocky Mountains and the genial and salubrious South. The general then inquired if I could not raise a company of mountain boys to go with me. I replied that I thought I could, or that at any rate I would make the effort. The trapping business was unusually dull at that time, and there was plenty of unoccupied men in the city ready to engage in any enterprise. I went among my acquaintances and soon collected a company of sixty-four men. I went and reported my success to the general. He wished to see the men. I brought them all forward and had their names enrolled. I was appointed captain of the company with three lieutenants elected from the men. On the ninth day of my stay in St. Louis, we went on board a steamer going downstream and were quickly on our way to the Seminole country. We had a delightful journey to New Orleans where we were detained five days in waiting for a vessel to transport us to the fields of renown. While waiting in New Orleans, I fell in with several old acquaintances who gave me an elegant parting dinner. I then spotted the commission of captain in the service of Uncle Sam. Our vessel, the Maid of New York, Captain Carr being at length ready for sea, my soldiers with their horses were taken on board, and we set sail for Tampa Bay. I now, for the first time in my life, saw salt water and the sickness it produced in me led me to curse general gains and the trappings of war to boot our vessel stranded on a reef and there she remained snug enough all efforts to dislodge her proving fruitless there was one small island in sight to leeward in every other direction there was nothing visible but the heaving ocean 
wreckers who seemed to rise from the sea foam flocked instantly around us and were received by our captain with us with a ready volley of nautical compliments the vessel had settled deeply into a bed of sand and rock the water was rapidly gaining in a hold and my commission together with my gallant command companions in arm seemed at the moment to have a slim chance of ever serving our respective uncle in the fields of renown i ascended the rigging to take a survey of the country many a time an elevated prospect had delivered me from difficulties if dissimilar not less imminent than those that now menaced me still i felt that could these ratlines i was now ascending be transformed into the back of my indian war steed this ocean be replaced with a prairie and that distant speck which they call an island to be transmuted into a buffalo i would give my chance of a major generalship in purchase of the change for the sensations of hunger i began to feel were uncomfortably acute and i saw no immediate prospects of alleviating the pain suddenly i saw a long line of black smoke which i thought must be from a prairie fire i reported my discovery to the captain and he hoisted our colors at half-mast to signal for assistance a small steamer came in sight and made towards us and finally ranged up under our stern she took off all my men except myself and twelve others i wrote to the commandant at tampa bay to inform him of our situation and asking him for immediate assistance after twelve days stay on the reef two small brigs came out to us and received on board ourselves with our horses and forage conveying us to tampa bay where they cast anchor major bryant sent for me to his quarters and i forthwith presented myself before him this officer gave me a very cordial welcome congratulating the service on having an experienced mountaineer and saying several other very complimentary things at length he said captain beckworth i wish to open a communication between this port and the headquarters of colonel jessup a distance of about one hundred miles i have received no dispatches from there although nine couriers have been dispatched by colonel taylor i replied sir i have no knowledge of the country i know nothing of its roads or trails the situation of its post nor do i so much as know the position of colonel jessup's command to attempt to convey dispatches when so little prepared to keep out of harm's way i very much fear would be to again disappoint the service in delivery of its messages and to afford the seminoles an additional scalp to those they already taken he pooh-poohed my objections a man said major bryant who had fought the indians in the rocky mountains the number of years that you have will find no difficulty here in florida well i assented furnish me with the bearings of the country and direct me to the colonel's camp and i will do my best to reach there accordingly the major furnished me with all the necessary instructions and i started alone on my error it was my acquired habit never to travel along any beaten pass or open trail but rather to give such a road a wide berth and take the chances of the open country i observed my invariable custom on this occasion merely keeping in view the bearing of the position i was steering for i started from major bryant's post 
about sunrise and reached the colonel's headquarters at nightfall the following day i passed through the camp without seeing it but the sound of a bugle falling on my ear i tacked about and finally alighted upon it as i rode up i was hailed by a sentinel who comes there and expressed what you want in this camp i wish to see colonel jessup call the officer of the guard what for you come from dat way where is these shiminoles call your officer of the guard and i said i impatiently the officer of the guard at length appeared what are you here again for he inquired of me i wish to see the commanding officer i replied yes you are always wishing to see the commanding officer he said but he will not be troubled with you much longer he will soon commence hanging you all i demand to be shown to the commanding officer sir i reiterate who are you then i am bearer of dispatches give them to me i was not instructed to give them to you i shall not do it sir i believe you came from the seminoles you came from that direction you believe wrong sir will you show me to colonel jeff jessup or will you not this very cautious officer of the guard then went to the marquis of the colonel and addressed him here is another of those seminoles sir who says he has dispatches for you what shall i do with him the colonel came out and eyed me scrutinizingly have you brought dispatches for me he inquired i have sir from where from tampa bay sir he came from the seminole colonel interposed the officer of the guard you are mistaken again sir i said giving him the look of a crow in the midst of a battle i was not yet hireling enough to feel aggravated at being called by implication a liar let me see your dispatches said the colonel i handed him the documents he took them and passed into his tent this did not suit me i resolved to return instantly i had not been treated with common civility nor inquiries were made about my appetite i was not even invited to light for my horse i had neither eaten nor slept since i left tampa bay i was on the point of turning my horse's bay head secretly resolving that these were the last dispatches i would bear in that direction when the colonel called captain beckwith a light a light sir and come into my quarters Audley, have captain beckwith's horse taken immediate care of you must be hungry captain what i need now most is sleep i said let me have a little repose and then i shall feel refreshed and not refuse to sit down to a meal the colonel bowed assent and raising a canvas door pointed out to me a place for repose at the same time promising me i shall not be disturbed when i awoke i presented myself and was regaled with a good substantial supper this recruited me and i was again fit for service the colonel made many inquiries of my past service major bryant had made very favorable mention of me and his dispatches which seemed to have inspired quite an interest in the colonel's mind he asked me if i was a native of florida where i had spent my early days and my reason for entering the army i answered all his questions as briefly as possible mentioning that i had been tempted among the seminoles by the promise held out by general gains of my gaining renown the colonel thought my company of mountaineers a valuable acquisition to the service and he made no doubt we should achieve great credit in ferreting out the hiding places of the indians 
he soon had his papers ready they were delivered to me and i departed on the way i stopped at a fort the name of which i forget and took a fresh horse i finally arrived at the bay without seeing an indian i stayed with my company for two or three weeks at fort brooke during which time we were engaged in breaking in mules we were then placed under the command of colonel taylor afterwards general and president of the united states whose force was composed of the united states troops and volunteers some of the latter being from missouri the colonel advanced southward with sixteen hundred men erecting as we advanced a fort at the interval of every twenty-five miles on the morning of christmas day eighteen thirty seven our camp was beleaguered by a large force of indians and colonel taylor ordered an advance upon them the spot was thickly grown with trees and numbers of our assailants were concealed among the branches as our line advanced therefore many were singled out by the enemy and we lost fearfully in killed and wounded the yelling was the most deafening i had ever heard for there were many negroes among the enemy and their yells drowned out those of the red men i soon found we had a different enemy from the black feet to fight and different ground to fight on the country lost several valuable lives through this slight brush with the indians the gallant colonel gentry of the missouri volunteers was shot through the head colonel thompson and several other officers were also among the slain the enemy had made an excellent choice of ground and we could see our troops while remaining concealed themselves i placed myself behind a tree and captain morgan of the missouri spies was similarly sheltered close by we were surrounded with indians and one was watching on the opposite side of a tree that protected me for a chance to get my scalp a missourian picked off a fine fat negro who had ensconced himself in a live oak tree as he fell to the ground it shook beneath him the fruit was ripe but unfit for food seeing the men dropping around major price ordered a retreat the order was instantly countermanded by colonel davenport who by so doing saved many lives colonel forster had taken a very exposed position on the bole of the tree where he was visible to all he ordered his men to lie low and load their muskets he waited till he saw a favorable opportunity and then shouted fire boys pour it into those red and black rascals a charge with bayonets was finally ordered and the indians not relishing the look of the sharp steel retreated however not before they had seized a sergeant major and a private from our line and scalped them alive this was the battle of Okeechobee, which lasted four hours we lost over a hundred and killed and wounded the enemy left nine indians and a negro dead upon the field sam jones the half-breed was only eight miles distant with a force of a thousand warriors most providentially he had been dissuaded by the negroes from advancing who assured him that the whites would not fight on christmas day it was reported that colonel taylor was uncontrollably angry during the battle and that his aides and officers had to hold him by main force to prevent him from rushing among the enemy and meeting certain death i do not know what truth there is in this for i saw nothing of it nor indeed did i see the colonel during the whole of the four hours fighting 
on the conclusion of the action colonel taylor wished to send dispatches to tampa bay he requested captain lomax to take his company and go with them the captain refused for the reason that he and his men would infallibly be massacred the colonel remarked then since you are all afraid i will go myself he sent for me and demanded if i could raise a sufficient number of brave men among my mountaineers to carry a dispatch to the bay i answered certainly if i could have his favorite horse which was the fleetest one in the whole army and such excellent bottom they was fresh after a journey as before i considered that if i had to run the gauntlet through a host of seminoles and infuriated negroes the best horse was none too good and was indeed my only means of salvation when ready to start i applied for the dispatches where are your men asked the colonel my men are in their quarters colonel i said i'm going to carry those dispatches by myself they must go through he remarked i want them to go well guarded i'm not going to fight colonel i replied i'm going to run and one man will make less noise than twenty if i am not killed the dispatches shall arrive safely my life is certainly worth as much to me as the charge i am entrusted with and for personal safety i prefer going alone in our progress out the troops had cut their way through several hummocks and had thrown the bushes up on both sides i had to pass through some of these lanes it was night when i started and i was riding through one of these excavations at a good pace i heard a sudden noise in the bush i saw myself in a trap and my hair bristled up with a fright i was greatly relieved however by the speedy discovery that it was only a deer i had scared which was scampering away at its utmost speed i continued on resting a short time at each fort till i arrived in sight of fort brooke as soon as i arrived within hailing distance i shouted victory victory which brought out officers and men impatient to hear the news i could not see that okeechobee was much of a victory indeed i shrewdly suspected that the enemy had the advantage but it was called a victory by the soldiers and they were the best qualified to decide on my return i found colonel taylor soon after the battle had retrograded to fort bassinger we lay at that fort a long while spies were vigilantly on the lookout but nothing very encouraging was reported i and my company of mountaineers did not encamp with the other troops but took up our quarters at a considerable distance from the main guard we were quite tired of inactivity and wanted to go somewhere and do something being quartered by ourselves we were not subjected to the restrictions and military regulation of the camp we had our own jollifications and indulged in some little comforts which the camp did not enjoy we always would have a large fire when there was need for it for it destroyed the millions of mosquitoes and other vermin that annoyed us and as some of our company were always about the indians never molested us there was a large hummock about four miles distant from the fort which the indians infested in great numbers but as they could not be dislodged without great loss our colonel was constrained to content himself with closely watching them one day i proposed to my men to take a stroll and they fell with great alacrity into the proposition we passed down to the interdicted 
hummock, where we shot two deer, found quite an assortment of stock. We drove them all to camp before us, to the great admiration of the officers and men present. We had captured quite a drove of hogs, several head of cattle, and a good sprinkling of Seminole ponies. We saw no Indians at the hummock, though certainly we did not search very diligently for them. During our stay at the fort, the communication between that post and Charlotte's Harbor was closed, and one messenger had been killed. The quartermaster inquired of me if I would undertake the trip. I told him I would, and set $100 as the price of the undertaking, which he thought quite reasonable. I started with the dispatches and proceeded at an easy gallop, my eye glancing in every direction as had been my want for many years. In casting a look about two gunshots ahead, I felt sure that I saw some feathers showing themselves just above the palmettos and exactly in the direction that I was bending my steps. I rode a short distance further and my suspicions were confirmed. I immediately stopped my horse and dismounted, as though for the purpose of adjusting my saddle, but in reality to watch my supposed foes. In a minute or two, several heads appeared, looking in my direction, and withdrew again in an instant. Immediately the heads declined behind the grass. I sprang upon my horse and reined him out of the road, taking a wide circuit around them, which I knew would carry me out of danger. I then looked after them and tantalized them with my gestures in every manner possible, motioning them to come and see me. But they seemed to be aware that their legs were not long enough to reach me, so they digested their disappointment and troubled me no further. I arrived safe at the harbor that same day, delivered my dispatches, and was back at the fort the following night. We now experienced a heavy rain which deluged the entire country and prevented any further operations against the indians the colonel ordered a retreat to tampa bay and as there was no danger of molestation on the way many of the officers obtained liberty to gallop on in advance of the army captain bryant rode a very valuable black charger acknowledged to be the best horse in camp after traveling on a while the colonel said have a notion to ride on and get in today, as my presence is required. You can get in tomorrow at your leisure. Number said, if you can get in today, we can. And finally, the whole party proposed starting off together. We at length came to a swampy place in the road, which spread over five miles, and in many places took our horses off their feet. This place forded. There was then a narrow stream, and after that it was all dry land. Having passed the swamp and the stream and got fairly on to dry land again, I took the saddle off my mule, which example all followed, and with the assistance of a brother officer, wrung the saddle bracket as dry as possible, and then spread it out fairly in the sun to dry. In the meanwhile, the horses helped themselves to a good feed of grass, and we all partook of a hearty lunch likewise. Thus refreshed, we saddled up and proceeded again. After a few miles travel, we discovered the rear of Bryant's party, who were toiling slowly alone and goring their animals' flanks in the vain endeavor to urge them into speed. 
we passed them with a hearty cheer we journeyed on until within three miles of the fort where there was a short bend in the road and a foot trail across which saved about a hundred yards now gentlemen said i let us raise a gallop and pass everybody on the road the work was at once accomplished some of my men deriding those left behind account of their miserable progress we then all struck into a gallop and soon reached the fort several of our company found time to get quite intoxicated before the quartermaster arrived he however soon recovered his equanimity of temper and begged a solution of the mystery how we could come in with our animals fresh while his and his companions horses were jaded to death he was referred by all to the captain of the mountaineers i said a horse colonel is only flesh and blood and this system requires greater care than that of almost any other animal we beat your powerful steer with inferior animals by affording them a short rest with a mouthful or two of grass on the road and by wringing our blankets after we had passed the water now we had another long interval of inactivity and i began to grow tired of florida with its inaccessible hummocks it seemed to me to be a country dear even at the price of the powder that would be required to blow the indians out of it and certainly a poor field to work in for renown my company and i its commander had nothing to do except carry an occasional dispatch and i wanted excitement of some kind i was indifferent of what nature even if it was no better than borrowing horses of the blackfeet the seminoles had no authors white stealing and or i should have certainly have exercised my talent for the benefit of the united states the last dispatches that i carried in florida i bore from fort day to fort brook in accomplishing this i traveled with my customary caution avoiding the trail as much as possible in a part where i anticipated no danger i took the trail and fell asleep on my horse for i had ridden four nights and days without rest except what i had snatched upon horseback suddenly my horse sprang aside instantly awakened me i found i had been sleeping too long for i had passed the turning point and was now near a hummock to return would cost me several miles travel my horse's ears informed me there was something in motion nearby i pondered my position and ultimately resolved to take the chances and go ahead the road through the hummock was just wide enough to admit the army wagons to pass i bid my horse go and he sprang forward with tremendous bounds he had not reached through this dark and dangerous pass when i saw the flash of several guns and the balls whizzed harmlessly past me i discharged my pistols at the lair of my foes and travelled on in safety to the fort i grew tired of this and informed colonel bryan that i wished to resign my task why said he everybody who undertakes it gets killed why you never see any indians what are we to do when in camp i had frequently seen men come running in half dead with alarm saying they had seen indians or had been fired upon by indians i remarked that they were always ridiculed by the officers even the privates disbelieved them 
seeing this i determined to say nothing about my adventures for if they had received my ascertain with incredulity it might have led to an unpleasant scene in the wigwam i was determined to return to the home of the free and the land of the brave for i felt that the mountains and the prairies of the great west although less attended with renown at least would afford me more of the substantial comforts of life and suit my peculiar taste better than the service of uncle sam in florida the commander of the fort after reading the dispatch endorsed on it beckworth fired on by a party of indians when near this post he then returned it to me and i rode on to fort brooke colonel bryan having read this dispatch said ah beckworth you have been fired on i see why did you not tell us so on your arrival i informed him of my reasons as before stated he smiled your word would have been believed by us all he said it is these stupid foreigners that we discredit who don't know an indian from a stump they have deceived us too often for us to put further faith in them a seminole came into the fort a few days subsequent to this to give himself up his arm being broken when questioned about it he said that a white man had broken it in such a hummock on such a night i then knew that my pistols which i fired at random had done the mischief alligator the seminole chief shortly after came in and informed colonel taylor that he and his tribe had concluded to remove to their new home and requested the colonel to send down wagons to transport their women and children i have fought you a long time said the red man but i cannot beat you if i kill ten of your warriors you sent a hundred to replace them i am not ready to go and save the rest of my people yes the colonel answered your talk is good you can now go to your new home and be happy there is a man pointing to me who is a great chief of a great nation you will for what i know be neighbors to his people he and his people will teach you to hunt the buffalo and i hope you will be good friends while i was with the army a tragedy occurred which i have never seen in any public print and i deem it of sufficient interest to make mention of it here a young private of very respectable connections had been tried for some offence and sentenced to receive a flogging which was carried unmercifully into effect after he had recovered the surgeon bade him go and report himself fit for duty i will go said he but it will be my last duty accordingly he fixed his bayonet and repaired to the officer's quarter where he found the captain and first lieutenant of, of his company he advanced upon them saying you have disgraced me with an inhuman flogging die he shot the captain dead plunged his bayonet through the body of the lieutenant also killing him on the spot he straightway gave himself up was tried by court-martial and sentenced to be shot the execution of the sentence was withheld by colonel taylor who had forwarded the particulars of the trial to the department of washington and was waiting the results of official investigation the case was found worthy of executive interference a pardon was signed by the president and sent on and the young man was liberated from confinement such inhuman treatment as this poor young soldier received at the hands of his officer has resulted i have no shadow of a doubt 
in the death of many an officer on the battlefield. I remember at the Battle of Okeechobee a young lieutenant riding up to Colonel Forster and saying, Colonel, I've been shot at twice and not the enemy either. It was by no friend, I will swear, said the colonel. You can leave the field and learn to treat your men well in the future. This I witnessed myself, but whether the young buckskin profited by the sharp cut of the colonel, I was unable to say. There was a Tennessean in camp, a great foot-racer, who was incessantly boasting about his wonderful pedestrian powers. He had a valuable horse, which he offered to stake against any person in the camp for a race of sixty yards, as he was considered a great leg by all. No one ventured to take him up on his offer. I offered myself as a competitor, but all sought to dissuade me. Don't run against him, said Daddy. That fellow will outrun Lucifer himself. He has beat every man who has run against him in Florida. However, I staked a hundred dollars against his horse and entered the lists. We started together, but as I did not see my antagonist either ahead of me or by my side, I looked around and saw him coming up. I went out a good distance ahead of him and did not exert myself either. The enemy, having submitted to the government, there was nothing more for us to do, and I asked for a furlough to return to St. Louis. I and my company were enlisted for a year. Ten months of this time had been served, and I obtained a furlough for the remaining two months. We embarked for New Orleans, Colonel Gates, and his regiment taking passage in the same ship. Arriving at my place of destination in safety, I stayed but one night in the Crescent City and then took the steamer to St. Louis, where we had a good time while steaming up, and I was very well satisfied to jump ashore once again at my old home. My company all left but two, one of whom died in New Orleans, the other was killed by Seminoles after I left. End of chapter 29